there, avid listeners. Thanks again for tuning into Sin's Workshop. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. All right, today we're going to be talking about Curse of the Divine by Kim Smitschkel. Smitschkel? Okay, yeah, I, I butchered her last name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I try. I try so hard. Um, <laughs> but in any way, this is the sequel to Ink in the Blood. And if you listened to my Ink in the Blood review, you know that that book left me feeling exhausted. Um, I had a lot of mixed feelings about it. Like I liked some parts of it, but for the most part, it was really heavy and it just left me feeling super tired and exhausted as far as the storytelling went. I was just not, not here for it, unfortunately. So when I got a copy of Curse of the Divine, I was admittedly hesitant, but you know what? I think this novel improved upon its predecessor tenfold. Now, uh, Curse of the Fine, you know, it does, does follow your main characters. And I think what really struck me, what I thought was really impressive with this novel was one of the things that bothered me was I don't think the author's word choice when it came to uh, regaining your identity and that sort of structure, I don't think it was done well. I think it just acted like your identity is your choice, blah, 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 choice, choice, choice. It's your choice to live your truth or not, but being who you are is is not a choice, if you understand. You know, it's like, it, it, it just reminded me so much about those narrow-minded people who are just saying, oh, you choose to be gay, or this, you choose to like women. Like, no, you know, it's not... It's not a choice. It's who we are. It's it's who we are. It's it's never just black or white either. So that's why the wording in Ink and the Blood bothered me. That's why I was b- bothered by it so greatly. However, in this novel, the wording is it's so much better. It's more contemporary. It's more realistic. It's more relatable to the reader. And that's why I enjoyed it more, because it didn't isolate me. I I didn't feel isolated as a reader. I didn't feel put off as a reader. I could see what the author was doing here. You know, she's in England, you know, um... God, I just had her name at the top of my head. Our, her main character. <laughs> I just had it. Uh, Celia. There you go. Celia. Ha. Um, Celia's the inkling so she can see your aura. You know, your identity. Your inner identity. And I, what I do like in this novel is you get to choose your own name. You know, no one chooses it for you. Your name is whoever you want to be. It's who you are. You choose your own name. So you have her plague doctor. He prefers going by his plague doctor rather than his normal name. And everyone just calls him the plague doctor. Um, You have Dante. You have Diavala. You have Halcyon. I think that's what struck me, you know, so much from this novel is the wording, the language. It was, again, more contemporary, more relatable. And it didn't bother me when I was reading it. I felt like it was more respectful to the LGBTQ community. 
And I think that's what the author was trying to do in the first novel, but just the way I read it and interpreted it, it bothered me personally. It probably didn't bother a lot of people, but it bothered me um, for the reasons that I already mentioned. But, you know, what I also liked was the pacing in this novel. You know, it was so much quicker. I felt like Ink in the Blood, it dragged on too much to sort of build up to that climactic ending. I don't think it needed to drag. If Again, it felt so long. I'm just remembering it, and I'm like, oh my god, it felt like... It felt so long. And this one didn't. You know, I felt like reading this one was kind of just a breeze. Because you're seeing more character uh, growth as well. There's more personality in this novel. The Plague Doctor, you actually get to see his perspective and I think that that's really beneficial to the pacing of the story and it's really beneficial to understanding him and his dynamic with Celia because you're getting to understand him. You're understanding him, you're seeing him as a person and that's what I thought was very well done with the story. That's what I thought was engaging. So ultimately, you know, I ended up liking this book way more than the previous one. Because there were lots of plot twists here. The story, it develops more. It turns out Diavala wasn't really the, vil- the real villain. And it's Halcyon. Because Halcyon cursed her when she was a child. A child. She was this 10-year-old girl who stumbled across a chest of magical ink. And she stole it. Why did she steal it? So that she could find some way to feed herself. Because she was like a street urchin. And guess what? She just ended up sent drawing, making drawings and sending them off to people. Not to be anything, just to like share her artwork. She didn't want to start Profeta. She doesn't know why Profeta started. So I think that that was really very cool. So she was really, in essence, the first inkling. And I like how we get to know more about Diavala's past. We understand um, who Halcyon Halcyon is. And he's a jerk. He was so angry at this 10-year-old girl that he killed her. And then, when that wasn't enough, he cursed her for all eternity to never be able to rest in peace. So she has no choice but to jump from body to body. That's not really her will to do. She can only go from body to whatever body is closest to her, unfortunately, when she dies or when that body dies because this is the curse that Halcyon passed on to her. And I think that that's terrible. So you're really seeing more depth. You're seeing how the story is just not black and white. There are lots of shades of gray in there. And you're understanding Diavala more and you pity her. And I like the, I like, um, Claire's, Claire's? Why do I, Celia, why do I keep wanting to call her Claire? I'm sorry. You get to see Celia's journey as well. She switches sides. She goes from wanting nothing more than to destroy Diavala, then teaming up with her to destroy Halcyon so she can set Diavala free. Because this is not a life Diavala wants to live, and you really do connect to it as a reader. And it's more engaging, I think, the character dynamics, the tone, the pacing. I think it overall is a vast improvement on its predecessor. And I definitely enjoyed Curse of Divine way more 
than the previous novel. So on that note, I'm going to give Curse of the Divine four stars. Again, vast improvement on wording, on language, on character dynamics, and character growth. You also do get to understand these characters, and they have way more personality than they did in the first novel. And the tone of the novel, it's not so heavy on the reader. There are some bits and pieces that are kind of reminiscent of Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, like the town that Halcyon lives in and the Inside Out Motel. I mean, I do think it's really well done. I do think it was a vast improvement. So once again, Curse of the Divine gets four stars. Please remember to support the author by purchasing this book from your local bookseller or online book retailer. Please do not purchase off of Amazon. <laughs> they get enough money. Um, if money's tight, please support your local library by checking out the book from them and leave a review anywhere that you can for this book. Um, or even just pass a note on to the author on their social media and say, hey, I loved your book. Any little bit helps and they really do appreciate it. And on that note, I hope you all will continue to support me by liking this podcast and sharing it with all your book-loving friends. You can become a supporter as well on Anchor FM, which is my recording platform. There's information on that in the link in the description. Have a great rest of your day and as always, happy reading. Mm-hmm.